G'day everyone, welcome to Mark and Car's Porsche Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. If you love air-cooled, water-cooled, rear-engine, front-engine, or even mid-engine, there'll be something here for you. But most importantly, we'll talk to the people who are passionate about Porsche. I'm your host, Mark, from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. Thank you for taking the time to listen or watch, and feel free to share any input, suggestions, ideas through the comments section, reviews, or message me directly. You'll find me on most social media platforms as Mark and Cars. Special thank you to today's podcast sponsors, Bowden's Own, Australian-made premium car care products. I use them, love them, and you will too. Available at most auto stores here in Australia or around the world online, just Google Bowden's Own. And Rec Watches. Rec are a Danish watch company that design and manufacture watches with an automotive theme. If you're a car nut, it's a good chance they make a watch using recycled parts from your favourite brand. I wear the 901. If you're watching this on video, I'm showing it to you. And it's made from recycled 911 parts. It's got some amazing details that are very 911, including the VIN number of the car that the watch was made from. Anyway, check them out at recwatches.com. Today, I'm joined by Luke from New Car Concierge. Hello. Hello, Mark. Mark and Cars, hello. <laughs> thanks thanks for joining us today. So I know you're a bit of a Porsche tragic and you're in the business these days of actually getting people's bottoms in seats to their dream car, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited at the moment. Actually, I've got a couple of, uh, I got a couple of interested people uh, Porsche buyers and a uh, and a Ferrari actually as we speak, but um, I mean we do everything from uh, Hyundai's to Huayras basically. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, we we um, you know it's one of those things. Typically, like most most people that are involved in cars or uh, have been um, around cars a very long time, you find yourself helping out with advice and you know going off to dealers and helping your friends and family, and it was just. You know, I sort of formalized it a little bit, and it's it's a way for uh, for me to be around cars a little bit more. And as much as I love cars, I love car deals, so it's uh, it's a win win for me really. And I've been able to um, drive some cars, write some cars, make some videos, speak to guys like you. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really really good. Great. Here, just as an outline of what it is you actually do, we've sort of got an idea on what you've you you job entails but what actually is it people come to you when they want to buy a car and they just don't want to deal with the car salesman experience is that what it is absolutely so a lot of people out there that they view their car purchase as sort of like a necessary evil so with those people we go through and sort of methodically start from scratch and look at their needs and what they need to do as far as what they need the car for, you know, the holidays they'll be taking in it and these sorts of things. And where we start and where we finish, interestingly, is often very, very different. Some people that are fanatical about cars come to me and they just want a, an, an ear. Uh, I lend them an ear and we go through the scenarios and I have some more sort of um, rocks to look under because especially with COVID, it's hard to find a lot of vehicles. So, you know, with enthusiasts, I, I you know, look at that, sort of uh, objectively the different markets and sometimes talk them down from making a, an expensive mistake. And then with people that aren't enthusiastic, I try to make it as a uh, pleasurable experience for them. So that can be finance, helping them with their trade and, and finding their new car. Generally speaking, um, for everyday cars, it's brand new cars only. Um, but for specialist vehicles, we'll look at anything. Like I had a, a 1985 uh, Carrera cab come out of the Porsche Centre Melbourne recently. 
for sure. one of my good friends and clients and that car is amazing and he did very very well with it so they're always uh it's always good to get stories like that um the new Macan just been uh, announced and updated and it's fresh on the uh, Porsche.com configurator um, and we're going through that process with a couple of clients from Melbourne right now. So um, yeah, that's sure. another thing. We send cars all over the country. We have buyers that buy cars from Brisbane and send it to Melbourne. We have cars that, you know, they're shooting all over the place. So it's um, whatever you want, we can look after. And I imagine the dealerships themselves are pretty sympathetic to you, your Payment yeah. is a combination from client and dealer, or is it dealer? Or is, as yes, it, you know, as it, it's dealer only, Mark. So it, our, our service is free to car buyers. So okay, amazing. Yeah, the thing we hang our hat on is essentially we would hope when we provide a car to you that you wouldn't uh, objectively be able to go out anywhere else and get a better deal in that in that time frame with that supply and demand with all the different uh, things that affect the value of a vehicle um, because we repeatedly buy cars um, from dealers. They understand that time is valuable and if we can save them some time and, and guarantee them a sale, um, they reward us by giving us the most competitive price. And a lot of times it's in line with sort of a platinum fleet deal or something sure. like that. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's um, so yeah, what, no, it's, been, it's been very, uh, very, very um, positive so far. Sure. So if this is the case, why, uh, why isn't everybody using this type of a service it's uh it's a bit of an awareness campaign um there is a lot of very strong beliefs in the car market everybody has a different idea i get a lot of people um that contact me with they have a certain line of thinking and then by the time we've had a discussion and, and and talked about the ins and outs and the way things are and demystified some sort of things they come around to um, sort of our, our way of thinking. We, we try sure. to keep everything positive. Obviously, there are some negative aspects and some people have had some negative experiences. Um, but we we try to align ourselves with good brands, good salesmen, good groups, um, and those sorts of things. And, and you know, we can we can add value and, and help them with their changeover figure if it means assisting them disposing of a car privately instead of having to trade it just take the edges off because you know a a lot of people are put off new car buying because they go in they buy the car at full whack then they get protections done to it then they get finance and they get clobbered all the way along the line whereas if you buy the right car at the right price if you are fanatical about your paint we can have the right guys do your paint protection we can have someone else take care of your tinted windows if you want that and and generally make sure that you're getting the value out of every uh out of every transaction i have an old story um that if i lent over the counter to you at lunch opened your wallet and took 200 out you'd probably be offended but when you're buying a car kind of goes out the window people just sort of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they lose track a little bit. That's the one, Mark. They just, uh, especially on finance, it's just like, oh, what, bull bar? $4,200? Yeah, have at it. Yeah, that so, $800 bull bar you'll pay $4,200 for. It's just, yeah, especially if you do it at the uh, the top of a five-year 30, you will. So, you know, there's um there, there's a lot and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experience and I've bought an awful lot of cars um, over the years, but I'm not a... Um, I'm not a car industry tragic, so I don't have the scars 
that a lot of um, that a lot of ex dealers and brokers and everything have. I've got a service background, so that's why I'm sort of passionate about sure. making sure that we keep that five star Google rating. Yeah, fantastic. On on some of the topics you just brought up, fascinating stuff for me. I've recently bought a new car, but I'm not going to talk about what that is on this podcast because I will plan to do a video of the delivery of that car in the coming exciting. weeks. Very exciting. It is. Well, it is for me. And the, um, But that aside, uh, the points you brought up about going in and dealing with the dealer the, and the scars and the emotional draining that it is for someone and then those points you brought up, like I've thought myself, I'd really, the car of, I'm buying is a very large front on it. And I'm thinking I probably should get PPF on that car. But mm-hmm. you bring that with a dealer, it's three times the price of any, anything anyone else has ever done, you know? Yeah. And the type of car I'm looking at, uh, the car I'm looking at buying is also very open to modifications that are already in the marketplace. And some of the factors of that, I've, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to them and I'm, backpedaling a thousand miles an hour because you know i thought i'd just be easy to just get someone to do it all so i can pick it all up all done you know the last personally my last few cars i've bought i've bought brand new from dealerships and i have a long-term friend who is actually a car wholesaler so he he just puts me in touch with the person he knows is whose personality is most likely going to tolerate mine yeah. It's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, whether that results in the best deal or not, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But historically, I've felt, I've, I've felt okay about the capital investment that, yeah. that has involved. And as a purchaser, I don't, you know, you, if you've come from service, the cheapest price isn't the best price. It's no. the, the perception of value is what's the most important thing, you know, and your your business being there and delivering that and communicating that between the two parties, priceless. You know, I'd love like I my historically I've come from retail for the last 25, 26 years. So I definitely understand what it is that customers require and what they want, which like you said, is very different to what they think they want until they've spoken to somebody who understands what it is yeah. that balance between what can be delivered versus what can, you know, what you want and what you're willing to pay and get that sweet spot in between. Uh, absolutely. And, and we find that that with, you know, we have a lot of customers that ring up and just use us as a as a, a price reference. I can and imagine. They'll be chasing the obligatory three quotes and you'll win our business and everything. And, we, you know, if we have access to the information and, and there's a car that we can quote on, we'll, we'll give them a number where we're an open book with that and we can we can do that. But the people that get the true value from our service, and I'm starting to build a little demographic with that, and I'm realizing that it's repeatedly a similar sort of uh, type of person I'm finding. But I'm dying ones, to hear who this is. But yeah, keep going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the ones that get the most out of it are the ones that have a level of trust. And I, I mean, they, they, some of them might know me from a bar of soap. We have a very strong referral network, but they've got to get to know me, and they've got to understand that I have their best interests at heart. And you know, if a car's about to be superseded. They're going to know about it. You know, I've had people come to me to buy cars and I've said, well, we're not buying one now. We're going to wait six months because that car is effectively 11 years old at this point. And I just, I couldn't with a clear conscience have you drive off in it. We're going to wait. And, and sometimes that means they're spending more money. Sounds then, like an Amarok purchase right now. 
My Amarok, I drive an Amarok. Oh, do you really? I just, got, I just know that I know that that body shape's that old now, you know? I, I, I'm going to, I've got two Amaroks. We've got a V6 Highline and my personal car, which sits there for most of the year. It's a 2011 plated MY13 two litre TSI. So it's a two wheel drive turbo petrol. They made it for one year, but my car was made in Argentina in 2011. Uh, that's commonly known as the poverty pack, I believe, the two-wheel drive. Absolutely, but yep. my car has leather seats, 20-inch wheels, all the bars, and it is the fastest Amarok in Australia because it has 200 rear-wheel kilowatts and it's lighter <laughs> than any other because it's got a And tell me, the, um, if you lined it up next to a 2020 model, you probably couldn't tell the difference. Not a lot. The, the, the vents on the inside on mine are circles and on the current one, they're squares. But neither of them has push button start and neither of them has any safety. So I will, um, but they drive great. They're it's a dual cab. They don't need it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They're, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Amarok platform, but my God, it is. But it's like that with a lot of lot of utes, a lot of utes. Um, but anyway, think- getting back, uh, the, the people that, basically understand that we are the experts, that we have a ability to, we are the ones with the resources that we can help and that we're going to be transparent and that we're going to act in their best interests. Interest. They're the ones that get the most out of it. They're the ones that yeah, lead sure. the happiest. It's the, it's the, um, it's, it's when you come into a car purchase looking for a fight you're gonna it's it's gonna end up probably just it's the energy you bring into it a little bit it's a little bit of negative energy and everything and i've turned a lot of that just by you know just a little bit of information and everything but i can understand even i i can't believe i'm saying it but i do sympathize with dealers because i do understand people come in um looking for uh yeah exactly they got the boxing gloves on and I mean, in this day and age, unfortunately, the dealers hold all the cards because there's no cars. There's very, uh, there's still discounts, but nowhere near what there was 18 months ago. And it's, um, you know, basically it's a supply and demand game at the moment. So um, look, ultimately it should be, but I'm not saying this from the dealer's point of view, right? I'm saying this as a business owner myself, right? Who has benefited from a similar situation in a different industry. Okay. Yes. I'm sure there are too many dealers out there in the automotive industry. Like if you want to go out and buy a Mitsubishi, there's probably eight dealers in every capital city. Yeah, there's too many. There should be two. Yeah. You know, and I don't condone price fixing, but it's – they're employing 50 people in this dealership. Yes. You know what I mean? You want those 50 people there when you need them. You've got to see value in – supporting that business, knowing it will support you back because they've made enough money to survive and actually justify existing. 100%. And it's, but what it is, and this is the reason that every brand has such an extensive model range. I mean, if you try to buy a BMW lately, have you tried to buy any, I mean, not even European cars, Korean cars, Mazda do it. And and we're, we're massive Mazda supporter. We've got a very strong relationship with them. We probably sell more Mazda than anything because they've, done very well with COVID during the stock scenario, but every one of their models has six variants. And then on top of those variants, they have additional packages and they have engine options and all-wheel drive or two-wheel drive. And like, if you looked at it, 
at working there, it, it must be a huge frustration trying to work out what's what or thinking, especially now with stock being scarce, yes, we found the perfect car. It turns out one of the yeah, parameters. Yeah, it doesn't is- have the convenience pack that you wanted or yeah, whatever. And this this is the this is really challenging. And it's but it is it is done like that on purpose, I'm almost certain, to confuse the consumer and make it difficult to compare apples with apples. So that's that's, That's common across a lot of industry, and it's certainly not an automotive-specific issue. Yeah, definitely. So Now, this is a Porsche Talk podcast, so yes. let's talk about Porsches. Correct. The, um, before, just listeners, before we started recording this podcast, we went for a little walk through your garage, Luke. Tell us about your 996. Oh, uh, my beloved 996. How long uh, you had it? I've had it for just over 12 months at this point. Um, really? Only that long? Yeah. You haven't mucked around in modifications. Tell us about those. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked a 911 much earlier, but it's my second Porsche. I've also got the the um, KN GTS um, as well, so the 92A KN GTS, the naturally aspirated one. Sure. Um, the Series 1, which is uh, I've had over two, well, two years next month. So You happy with that car? Oh, ecstatic. Absolutely ecstatic. I understand they're um, quite horrifying if they require any maintenance or servicing. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring up the point. And it's quite common knowledge around the universe that my car, um, with all its carbon fibre, Alcantara, 22-inch wheels, massive brakes, weighs nearly three tonnes, um, uses 20 litres per 100 kilometres in fuel. Um, On the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Valved exhaust. Anything and everything, the tyres on the rear are 315 section tyres. You can imagine how much a 22-inch one of those. Yeah, so it must be about four grains worth of rubber on the car. (laughs) Yeah. With all that being said, it has a full Porsche warranty, which is extendable for 15 years from the time of purchase. As you will continue to extend, no doubt. I just keep extending it and they keep looking after me and they keep giving me sports cars when I go and take it in and we have a great time. Fantastic. Good. Now let's... Good to hear. Sounds like a very sensible purchase then. Well, in the scheme of things, it is. My cost per kilometre is a little bit eye-watering when you actually – but that's that's more how I use the car than anything. Like if I'd have bought an ML55 or an X5M or something, it Same. would have so, – well, it would have been much worse because they don't offer the extension on the warranty. Ah, okay, sure. Yeah, so sure. Porsche is a brand – um, and when I took it for service, I probably would have ended up with an A-class or a two-series, whereas I'm driving new hot stuff from the um, the friends at uh, Gold Coast Porsche. So yeah, great here. I, yeah, it's been a very, very positive experience, which is why I then went out and got the 996. I wasn't meant to get another car because I think it was the sixth car at the time, but um, it was a bit of an ugly duckling. Um, the back window on the soft top when I bought it was uh, delaminated, so the previous owner just drove around with the hard top on, which I hate. How much I, noise does that make? Oh, it's hard, so squeaky. It moves at a different trajectory to the rest of the car, and it's just I find it very offensive. But I've, I'm, it, it's a pain to store in it, but it's such I'm scared to sell it because if I sell it, the next owner might be a big fan. You know, it's a personal choice thing. Um, but they came with every 996. Um, I just, I just don't one. understand. With that, just I want to talk about that hard top for a moment if we can. Yes. It's just so out of character for the company. 
Yeah, like yeah. Everything they make, they engineer to the nth degree, probably too far, yeah. to the point in a lot of cases where it removes character. You know, if yeah. this was an English car, yes, that's what it does. Yeah. Oh, I love it because it squeaks. Yeah, that's you right. You know what I mean? But as a as a Porsche, you expect the thing to be airtight, perfect, yeah. easy to put on and off, et cetera, right? But everyone that's got one, all they do is squeal about it, you know, about how bad it is. It's like it was made by the um, I don't know, by the work experience kids on the um on the Saturday morning while everyone else is on the way for the weekend. Yeah, to be fair, the nine nine six was the project when they had no money so yeah okay fair cop yeah yeah you know, maybe that has something to do with it but look in a vacuum it's okay like looking at it, it's trim nicely and everything and you know everything it seems reasonable quality it's just when it sits on the car the the just the dynamics of, of a convertible you've got this rigid object on a non-rigid one and that's when you run into trouble so i put it on because we had some bad weather here for a couple of weeks. I put it on a few, a couple of weeks ago and I just vowed never to do it again. That was the end of that. So, but there's plenty of them around if you ever want to buy one, any listeners, because everyone, no one uses them and they take up too much space in the garage. Yeah. They're all, and they're top heavy and yeah, they're a nightmare. So you you need to cast a thousand to put it on and off as well, don't you? Yes, you do. It's not a single person job unless you've got, um, you know, inspector gadget. Nine feet long arms. Yep. With big muscles on them, so um, yeah. But uh, the the thing about the 996 is um, it it had good bones when I got it. It had a huge file, really extensive file, because it had very enthusiastic owners that are into Porsche racing and have every GT3, um, Carrera GT, 918 Spider. Like uh, they they're a huge Porsche family here in sure. Brisbane. Sure, yeah, good, good people to buy it from. Absolutely. So to get it from them um, was refreshing. Um, I've added quite a lot of receipts to the file, unfortunately. Um, I got the soft top done um, badly the first time, so that had to get rectified. Um, We've done some chassis upgrades, so I came across the wheels first, which were the um, genuine 19-inch 997 GT3 wheels. That's some some big wheels in a 996 going up that big. They are, and they're hollow spoke, and they're beautiful. Like my favorite wheels on the planet. I, I, I wanted the 996 ones that are 18s, but these wheels came up, and they were a very good price, and they hadn't even been fitted to a car. They're essentially brand new. Oh, beautiful. Option. I'm very sympathetic to those 18-inch GT3, 996 GT3 wheels, but I can imagine cleaning them with all those, um, you know, those bolts that are in between each spoke oh, no, the-, the series one the series two ones that look the same as almost the same as ah, okay yeah, yeah i know the ones you're talking about i actually like those too but yeah the fussy wheels yeah if you've got someone detailing your car that'd be great wheels uh, the day and i know that bowden sponsor you uh you, your all your uh, media stuff so i use their products religiously fantastic stuff um the day that someone brings out a product that you can just like put over a wheel or flick at a wheel or uh, subconsciously think about a wheel and it cleans it, I'm in because I am renowned. It's called, hey, it's called, it's called ceramic brakes. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the only thing and that's a $20,000 worth of uh, ceramics. So, um, well, you do yeah. get it back on resale. You'd be on buy a car that's got ceramics on it. It does cost you 20 grand yeah, more yeah. to buy it. That's true. That is true. You do get it back. And and that's, that's the myth. Just get you going off on another tangent, but that's the myth about expensive cars: is that you're buying the car 
and you're setting it on fire. So my KN that we spoke about, I've driven it for two years. I know what I paid for it and I could get it right back now. If you buy, you know, you obviously have your 356. I've got this 996. All the money that's in there is coming back. It is, you buy right. You don't be a cheapskate at the time. You don't buy the one that was on the Wava. You don't buy the one. That the has, yes. You don't, you don't go to Gray's and, uh, and, and pick one up. You buy the one within your means that is the nicest car with the best seller. And I've done that with every single car I've ever, I've ever bought, save for probably two or three when I was very young and I messed up. And I've come out on the best side of it. And that's just, that's simply the, the best car buying advice. It's not about what it costs you to buy. It's about what it costs you to own. Honestly, that is the thing. That's when you're going to get, because people buy, it hurts my feelings that people go out and they buy like a three series or something. And then they have this big payment and because they paid overs on it and they never do it again. They never buy anything more expensive than a Passat or a Camry because they're like, oh, it was a waste of money. It was terrible. It's like, no, you just didn't do a good job of it. Um, coming from someone that has a brand new three series, there is a way to buy them. You know, there's a way to buy one. So, but yeah, the 996 has got the wheels. It's got Gambala coilovers. Um, we fit some slightly skinnier rubber, uh, 295s on the on the rear just to just to get it to tuck because it was scraping a little bit. I was about to say, is that after the, did you have to do that because once the coilovers went on? Yes, we had to do that. Well, it's more so because the tire wanted to catch on the on the front because it was a 305. And on a pilot sport, the shoulders are actually quite vertical. Down. Yeah. Sure. Whereas I'm running a, a Kumo tire at the moment. Um, about the contact patch on the rear is probably about three inches because of the amount of camber. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the 48 PSI you've got in them. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. that's right. But <laughs> either way, between that and an autobahn guard roller and a heat gun, we got it done and it's it solved the issue. So it rides great. Those GT3 seats are uh, for the older. I, uh, I took my mum in the car today and it's a long way down. Um and it's a little bit difficult to get out. But I was about to say, do you need a high ab to help her out? Yeah, well, I don't know. If, you, that, if I said that to my mother, you'd be on her shit list, Mark. That's a horrible yeah. thing to say about. <laughs> I'm not suggesting because she's heavy. I'm saying it's just <laughs> well, out low cars. I was just talking about that today to someone, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we move past the mum jokes and we'll, uh, yeah. No, it, but once you're in, um, with a fixed backrest, they're still super comfortable. Like they are not cheap seats um, by any means. And I'm looking to do something Larry with the cushions. I'll get a second set made up and get some funky colors or something just for a bit of fun. But um, you can drive those that car all day, all day. Like today, I just ran errands in it. I was in it for probably four and a half hours today. Just yeah, okay. So um, comfortable all day is? Comfortable all day. Um it's got the uh, the exhaust mod with the bypass, the 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 Fister, the the YouTube exhaust. If you know, um, oh, well, you know what? When you said Fister, I was going to say you mean the YouTube exhaust. Yeah. Yes, the YouTube exhaust. It's got the YouTube exhaust, um, which is like two hundred bucks, but it makes a big difference. Sure. Um, it's got uh, the nine nine three console delete. Uh, sorry, the the, the GT three console, console delete. Yeah. yeah. I understand. I understand. It makes a, quite a difference with the feel of the cabin inside. It does. It, it gives it the more authentic 911 feel because it's got a flat. It's got oh, a flat dash now, so sure. underneath the dash is all flat. Yeah. And for yeah. taller people like me, I'm 190 centimeters. I can 
articulate the clutch because there's no consult there, so I can hang my leg out a little bit. So that's actually that's literally a problem when you're that. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Because what it is, it's it's so if I drive like a, a super Carrera or something, when I have to change into fifth gear, I've got to sort of push the clutch in, move my leg out of the way, put it in fifth because fifth and my knee get together, and sure. it's similar on on most 911s, just ergonomically. This is so such a right hand drive issue, you know, because whenever yeah. you drive the lefties with a clutch no. on the outside of the body rather than the accelerator and the inside, because I've driven a lot of left and right 911s particularly yes. air-filled cars right the left-hand drive cars the f- the pedal box just works so much better yeah know? yeah it's all, it's all wrong so yeah, it, was, it was made that way for a reason the fact that your accelerator is banging into a wheel arch yes on the right-hand drive car it just feels you know oh, i wonder if it could go any further would this go faster if i could press yeah. that harder <laughs> seriously that's mentally that's what's going through your mind yeah yeah when you've no, driven yeah. it on the other side it, it's true, and the older it, the older the car, the 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 more compact it gets in there. So, sure. um, but no, we, you know, it, uh, the next thing, and then I just did a refresh. I did the uh, you know the carpet in there for the GT3, um, you know, delete. I put new mats. We did a, a short shift kit, nine nine seven short shift kit. That make much difference. Um, yeah, it did. It's not too it clunky made- or anything like that. That's a common complaint. Um, yeah, it is. It it is sometimes like today when I was driving the car for a purpose of not just like th- giving the car a thrash, I was actually just moving around. You have to, I guess you have to think about it. It's not just ah, okay. like, it's not just a natural, especially getting into reverse. You've got to be really, you got to flick, you got to flick it. But it's one of those things. Like if the car was super easy to drive, it would take out some of the fun. I mean, it's easy to live with as far as a sports I car. I completely goes. understand it. Yeah. yeah, anyone anyone's got worn out synchros on a nine fifteen gearbox in there called nine eleven mm. understands the three to two downshift involves that whole yes. go through a sort of uh go through the corkscrew of Laguna Seca, right? You yes. Just, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So no, but I mean if if um objectively if the nine nine six is the worst nine eleven that Porsche made. I mean, oh my God! Some of those that those other cars must be absolutely outstanding because that car in there, um, normally aspirated, incredibly fast, pulls in every gear. It's you know the way it looks now. Everybody, um, I get a lot of admiring glances on that car. It's meant to be the ugly duckling, you know. Every no, it's the one that. Is, should be left out. The, it's got the fried eggs, it's got the box to front end. It's got anything, everything's not to like, but man, like sitting in that car, sitting on the floor in those seats, looking in the wing mirror, looking over the rear guards and, and um, you know, just hearing that engine, it's it's really, really, it as a, as a combined thing, the modifications has really brought it all home to roost and it's, um yeah, it's an event every time I drive that car. Absolutely love it. I have love you it. Have you driven mm. a Series 1 C2 manual completely stock? Yes. Good cars. Yes. You know, like you can get the, you can get the S, you can get the C4S, you can all that yes. sort of stuff. You can get a coupe, you can get a cabriolet, whatever it is that floats your boat, right? Yes. The bog stock entry level yes. car, the standard. Like yeah. I am, or even in a tip, even in a tip is good is cars. The good, yes. No, you're right. They are really good cars. So you know, you saying if this is the worst, 
Yes. The only metric by which, I, in my opinion, you could say it's the worst today is the fact that it's the most affordable. Yes. Okay. If you're going to use the term worse, right, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do here. You know, yeah. does it, like a 996 has this thing, amazing thing called functioning air conditioning. Yes. You know, so you know, you, you look at older cars, air-cooled cars. No. You spend a squillion on these cars year in, year out. Aircon still doesn't work. Now, you oh. live somewhere where you put a lot of value on that air conditioning, as do I. Yeah. You know, so I I think, you know, saying, you know, you saying if this is the worst, I don't believe it is, but the concept of worse is different for each person. You know, like yeah, yeah, my wife wouldn't dream of even considering buying a new car today unless they had heated seats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in the scheme of um, yes. you know, what your expectations are as a consumer, this, you know, Porsche's never made a 911 that's worse than the previous one. No. You know, but, but you know, if you look no. at performance metrics, yeah. all of, oh, you could look at size. So you could say yeah, a 992 is worse than a 993 because you could park the 993 in a 992's passenger seat, right? Yes. So, you know, the, the performance metric and the dynamic driving yes. experience has improved, improved each evolution. Amazing, yes. Yeah. Amazing. The size of the car, you know, when you've you know the when you've driven modern 911s like 991s, 992s, and you get into 996, the thing feels micro-sized, right? It feels like a smart yes. car. But you get into a 993 after driving 996, it's a whole different stratosphere again. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think you, you you you're a bit hard on yourself on the old 996 ownership with saying just because of the affordability of the car. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't, I don't buy cars um, based on any any combination of factors apart from the fact that it's something that I think would be really cool to own. Like there's a there's a list of cars right now that I could go through. There's five cars that I want to buy that other people would really find very very well. Not other people. There are people that would like them, but the vast majority of people would be like, "What is your interest?" Go, let's hear it. Go right now. Go. I want a Volvo 850R still in a wagon. Wagon. Yeah. Yeah. But a wagon preferably. Okay. I want a 1987 Alpha Sud Sprint. That's a front wheel drive Alfa Romeo. Yeah. There's bound to be rusty. Yeah. What else you got? Impossible to get there. I want a 2004 Lexus LS430 because I had that car and it's the best car in the universe. (laughs) Yeah. I want, this is a controversial one, I want the earliest lowest spec KN that I could ever find. I'm talking the ugliest duckling with the smallest wheels, the earliest generation headlights, the least options. Like I want a stripper spec V6, like basic early KN. Can um, I t- hey, I'll just stop there for a sec. Yes. Four months ago. Mm. I was tapped on the shoulder by a country, a regional owner of a KN here who drives his car from Broome to Perth to have it serviced yearly. Now, Broome's a long way from Perth. If you're an unfamiliar, any listeners out there of the size of Australia, we're talking 
3,000 kilometres maybe okay, on the road. So it's a long way away, oh, right? Yes. Now, he special ordered this car, stripper yep. spec, with two exceptions. Yep. He had the um, air ride suspension removed. It had steel suspension springs fitted because it was a country car. He wanted the reliability. Yep. He got the TechArt rear wheel carrier on the back. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> Which is the ugliest thing ever and probably cost yeah. about four grand back then. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's out there. And the highlight of the whole discussion mm. manual. Oh, you are kidding me. No. Right. I didn't even realize you could get a manual. Special like, I know car. you can, but I didn't realize there was one in Australia. Like, uh, there was four. Right. Unbelievable. Anyway, he bought a brand new KN very recently. Had this thing. This is an O. Four, I think, 05, yeah. something like that. That's Series 1. I'm tr- yeah. I can't remember the exact year off the top of my head. Yeah. Mark, do you reckon you could give me 18 grand for it? I'm not paying 18 grand for this. <laughs> Fool. <laughs> Emmanuel KN. <laughs> I should have just bought the thing. Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That was, we're not going to go down that path of things that we should have bought. But this man. is just recently I did it. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, we've all had those should have bought, right? But this was just oh like, man, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to look at this in years come. That thing's probably worth 50 grand in about five minutes, right? Because oh, it's absolutely. manual, yeah. yeah, like clean because it's the same as 986 boxsters and all that stuff. The, the unwanted stuff, they're, they're like if you get an unmolested one, I mean, you know, obviously, like we're, we're, everybody in the country knows that. XR6 Falcon Turbos and every Australian car that ever, and Integras and, and Honda, all that stuff, if it is a clean factory-style car, the price is to the moon. Supras, GTRs, a couple of people in my neighbourhood were out in their R34 GTRs the other day that they've had for a squillion years. And I'm like, that's a half a million dollar posse driving down the road. <laughs> there was only two of them. I'm just yeah, I like, saw. I did. I did come across. There is somebody very near to where I live has one of the two door WRX STIs. Oh yeah, yeah. Bought it brand new. It's yeah. got like eighteen thousand kilometers on it, and it's never been modified. Yeah. You know, it's going to be worth huge money. But the thing's gold plated. In fact, you know, if it was made out of gold, it'd be, it, it wouldn't be worth as much as it is. Yeah. No. So there, anyway, are, there are. Yeah, that was my KN diversion there. So was there any other cars on that list? Well, I think we got to four. Um, and fifth, you can probably put, I do want, and I am actively looking, um, Not, I don't have a history of owning Australian cars. Uh, I have probably sold a few, but I don't. You know, I'm not a collector or, or particularly interested, but I do want um, the latest XR6 Turbo that I could possibly find. Okay. That is uh, in a ute, sorry, in a ute, because um, I can't have an excuse for it then. I sort of need a ute. So, um, but that is, uh, that, that is proving a little bit difficult. Uh, anything that's realistically priced is, that yeah, doesn't exist anymore. That ship has sailed, I think. Yeah, they gone. Well, it's so, gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if anyone's out there that's, it's especially the rest of them, if I have the money, I could probably just do it and pay way too much for those cars. You know, like an 850R should be worth $10,000. They do pop time. up at the right price occasionally though, if you're patient. Uh, but mm, this is the thing. It's another ship that 
a nice one, a really nice one is 25 grand. I saw a nice yellow one not long ago over here, manual, because a lot of them are auto, the ones I've, that I've seen yeah. pop up, right? Yeah. This is a manual with the tan interior. Yeah. Shocking color combo in real life. Yellow um, and tan, that's ridiculous. Yeah, disgusting, right? But I think it was like 11 and a half or 12 grand or something, and I thought, you know, like you'd probably get the thing wrapped, right, or something to make it livable. At, but if, if at that, did it have like 415,000 kilometres? I didn't pay enough attention. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it, there, there's always a balance. You know, there's always there's always something. I'm sure. I'm sure look, if it didn't have the Ks, it still would have come with the Torx here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a Saab 9.3 Vigan, put that on the list. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, well, I remember they came out, they couldn't sell them. No, no, they can't sell any, They couldn't sell hardly any of those cars. Like they sat there and just got. got <laughs> Sub vegan. I remember reading about it in Wheels magazine. Going, yeah, this yep. is right. Because I was, I'm a sympathizer of the old Saab 900 Aero yep. turbos. Yeah, I love oh, them. Beautiful. Until I drove one, but I love the look yeah. of them. You know, I love oh, the quirkiness so of cool. them. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, but you floor the thing, bury it at full at full spin, right? You know, things go right faster than any other car that's ever existed. It'll snap your, it'll break your wrist. <laughs> it'll break your wrist. Hey, um, Mark, are you a big fan of um, the current shape Maserati Ghibli? You, you into those much? Current shape, did you say? Yes. No, but I'm a sympathizer with the square ones. Yes. You know, the Shamal yeah. Ghibli. Shape. The 420s, the bi-turbos, all the that. The real stuff. old stuff, you know. Terrible. Scariest car I ever drove. Oh, you driven one? Yeah, uh, I used to actually work. I brought this up in the podcast before for listeners. If you're bored of me, I get it, right? But I used to work for VDL Instruments. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, and um, this is going back 25, 30 years ago now, right? Okay. And uh, during that period, that was the real heyday of American imports coming to Australia, converted to right-hand drive, selling in the market. Yeah. And whilst working for that company, all the bodywork would get done and then the car would get turn up and I'd have to do the dash work to make it all function yes. after the hack sword through the loom, right? So I had a one car, I had a Shamal. Yes. Okay, V6 twin turbo thing, right? So cool. Oh man, it was a cool car. It was black, tan interior, yeah. perfect color combo, right? right? And um most horrific car I've ever driven. Like it like it revved up to about, I think the red line would have been eight grand off memory. It was a long time ago now, right? And it got there like within seconds. You know, yeah. it was wham, wham, wham type car. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and um, the turbos would come on that quick too because they're about that big. Yeah, like, yeah, tiny turbos, tiny little turbos. And when they um, when they when they hit the juice, the car just completely. Leaves the you know that scene in Star Wars, a Millennium Falcon does the yeah, whole yeah, yeah. lines because of the stars. That's what it felt like driving this car. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm sure I was only doing 90 k's an hour at the time. But yeah. the difference, the turbo lag was horrific, but only yeah. lasts for a second because how fast up the engine spooled up and revved yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, amazing car. Seats were incredibly comfortable, but it looked like you know your granddad's lounge too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just a a. Very, very ropey chassis with an incredibly <laughs> aggressively engineered boosted V6. That's a bit yeah. And like I I thought, you know, I was younger at the time. I yeah. rated myself as a driver, like everyone does at that yeah. age, you know. And I thought, let's see what this thing does. Floored it, 
took off and all of a sudden I'm just down spinning like a spinning top down the road <laughs> as the whole thing just completely got away from me. <laughs> and I stopped them, <laughs> yeah. you know, breathing me. <laughs> I'm going home now. I think I've done something in my pants. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that job did yeah. offer opportunities because two weeks later I had to babysit for two days and F40. Are you serious? Yeah. So I had to fit a rally computer to it, and um, it was only in WA for like six days for an event. Yeah. And the owner wasn't flying in. He rang me, you know, back in the old days before mobile phones, obviously. Yeah, yeah, Rings me up and he's talking to me. He goes, yeah, you sound pretty good. I don't trust the other people at work there. Can you just take it home and look after it for two days until I get there? Yes, I can do that for you. So, like. What did you, did you drive this car home? I drove it the whole weekend. An F40? Yeah, why wouldn't you? If someone says, look after my F40 for two days, what do you think? It was a left-hand drive car, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. But that's yeah half a course for me, you know. I don't, yeah, yeah. So I, then what did you hang off the back of it? Did you have some sort of dealer plate or something? to? I, know, I had a um, temporary import plate, right, yeah. that was used for the event. Yeah. Which you can use in the days leading up the event, during the event, and the days after the event, and then the car gets put up back on a plane and flown out, you know. And and okay, this whole thing about meeting your heroes or whatever, like was it do you long did you have you played the lotto twice a week every week since to get your hands on an F40 or um, was it like don't look after driving the driving experience, and don't get me wrong, I'm I've had got a lot more experience in driving motor cars now than what I did at that time in my yes. life. We're talking nearly 30 years ago now. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it's definitely top five cars. You know, yeah. you've got that whole, if I, if money was no option, if I had one zillion dollars. Yes. That is a number out there, kids. The, um, I, it would be of the premium Ferraris. Yeah. Two are on my list and that is one of them, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I love the size of it. Like, I love because um, where the people, the family that owns uh, that that I got the nine nine six from, I understand that they may or may not have one in their collection as well. And just the the way the paint is with the carbon and just being close to it and the size of it and the fact like it's just built to do like it is just unbelievable to be up close to them. Like I am. Yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time ogling one recently and I'm just, yeah, I'm besotted by those cars. Look, I, I, I would say as a Porsche enthusiast. Yes. The car's terrible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the the quality of everything in that car. Yeah. You know, a sympathizer would say it's handmade. Yes. A practical person would say it's a bit shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Because no, it, yes, no, definitely. And like no I've like I've seen three of them up close. Yes. All three were noticeably different. Yeah. Okay, like every car was def it'd be the equivalent, like realistically, it is a modern equivalent of what the 917 was for Porsche. Yes. Okay, yes. it's they built one, it was for John O, who lived in Singapore, they built another one. It was for the Sultan of Brunei. And yeah, the whole, pro- even the way the chassis at the back is. Yeah. The quality of welds and stuff. I'm looking yeah. at going, they, they reckon this thing can do 200 mile an hour. You're doing that in that car. You were taking, 
a whole different strategy. Yeah. yeah, I'd feel a lot more comfortable trying to do 200 mile an hour in a 959. Yes. Compared to an F40. Yeah. One of them looks like your dad made it for you as a yes. billy cart. The other one looks like it was manufactured on a production line. Yeah, no. And, and don't get me wrong, if you're an F40 sympathiser out there, I'm not – I like I said, it's on my list. I love them. I love the yeah. look of them. I love how aggressive they are. I love the turbo lag. I love getting kicked in the back. I want to be that guy that finds out that I couldn't drive one properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the I'm a complete sympathiser myself, but I'm very I'm adult enough to accept the shortcomings of what that motor car has. Yeah, no, you're 100 right. The short, yes, there are there are there are a lot of cars like that. Um, that the full character is in the fact that they were just so sort of cheeky with trying to get away with them, and then there's there's cars that are. I mean, for the most of the HSV production, I think along a similar way, especially now that the values met up. Like, oh man, <laughs> they were based on some junk, and then on, they just, I just want to put, just pause you there for a sec, Luke. Hang on, just wait. Yes, international listeners, HSV is Holden Special Vehicles. Holden is the General Motors division here in, that were vehicles are made here in Australia. And HSV were the high performance version of those cars. Now, historically, the, they're a high performance version of the car that is the most common car used for a taxi. So you're coming off a low base. But when I say that, please don't confuse it with thinking it is just a pig with lipstick because they actually are quite capable motor cars quite often, right? right? So, but they do come off a very, you could say developed chassis through sheer production numbers, but the reality is you've got a very low level car that has had a fortune spent in developing it to make it into a high performance car. So yeah, go on. So I just wanted to outline what HSV was. Yeah, but there were, they came from humble beginnings and despite the popularity and the amount of people that prop them up as halo cars, they lacked, they were at least 20 years behind an equivalent European competitor almost all the way to the very, very end. Now, to the end when they got obviously some um, alloy LS3s and everything and they really were serious performance cars and they had a lot of crossover with American stuff, yeah, it's more sort of, you know, they were sort of, it was more well-rounded. But if you're going back to like a VN-based car or something, I mean, really, that is, I mean, the mortality rate must be 50% of owners are no longer with us. Like that. Is just, just on that, the V, what was the series that was the yellow GDSR? What was that one? Yeah, so that was a VP, the GTSR. VP, was it? I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure that was a VP. Great, look, amazing looking motor car. Oh, those wheels, the whole thing. The wing, the wing. <laughs> the carbon work, the whole thing, but major sketch fill. Like that's, that is, and yeah, uh, it's um, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's really interesting, and that's the thing is the clinical ability of everything now takes out so much fun. Everything's fast, everything's um, fuel efficient, everything has um, will drive itself down the freeway. Everything is super safe. Everything stops. Like I just like I drive so many of these cars. A forty five AMG. C63, the BM, the fast BMW, new M3, you know, all this stuff. And they, 
it's just it's the same stuff. It's just the same <laughs> stuff. I've got to tell you something. That I had a young guy at work tell me this the other day. Yes. We were talking about modern cars and young kids. Like I'm talking a 20-year-old, right? Yeah. They aspire to the cars that you've just yes. mentioned, right? Yep. Dream cars for them, okay? It's like it, for them an AMG A45 is what the Countach yes. was for me. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. However, he says to me, this young kid, Mm. He says, Mark, I know these cars don't have the soul that the older cars have. Yeah. But you know what soul they do have? And I said, what's that? And he says, the arsehole behind the wheel. (laughs) 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 Oh, God, it was a good line for for a young kid. That's not bad. Yeah, look, and he said, yeah, his theory is the people, and I used to think this about Quintages in my time. By the time you can afford one, you can't get in and out of it. So the only no. people who can afford them don't drive them. The people that want them right. don't get to drive them. That's right. In saying that, that is a car that shattered my dreams. I have driven a Countach, right? Um, right? Yeah, I can tell that's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, everyone that's driving it, it's like, this is a pig. This is like driving a tractor. Like, it's just undrivable. The clutch. <laughs> yeah. And this has come from someone, like, in my youth, I had an XD, ex-cop yeah, yeah. car, manual. Yeah. With a top loader, so I know what a heavy clutch is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And the um, yeah, so yeah, the the, the Countach clutch, my goodness. Not mm-hmm. to mention the fact it was I had a I drove a right hand drive car, so there's actually nowhere for the accelerator to go. Similar to that problem we spoke about earlier. Uh, yeah, no, man, you've driven some amazing machinery. That yeah, I, like I said, I had a re- great opportunity in that job. Yeah, you know, I haven't driven a lot of modern cars. Yeah, yeah, I haven't driven many modern cars outside of the Porsche brand. But through yes. my channel, you know, you mentioned earlier about the cars don't have the character that you mentioned earlier that the older yeah. cars have because they're too good. Yes, they don't have the flaws. If the flaw, if the flaws are somehow connected to the character, but it's the, it's a DCT gearbox, a turbocharged engine, um, some piped in exhaust noise, and you could be in one of 15 models right now yeah, exactly you could be in any of the quick audis and there are exceptions like obviously a turbo s a 911 turbo s delivers a level of performance that is second to none um you know pretty much out there short of anything that's electric it just it, but it delivers it with with lack of with with no like drama. drama associated with that exactly and if it was any other car right it's Look, it doesn't get the kudos that a, if a pista no. does, right? No. But it, it'll smoke a pista every other week. Smoke you it know? repeatedly every time. But it the, the, the issue is, is for me from going out as an ownership potential, I would rather have a, a four-litre 997, like a GT3 or something like that, because that new Turbo S in Australia, especially, you jump in, unusable, wildly accelerate, and you're in jail. And that's like, you, that's the, the actual depth, that's the truth of it. Like, the police don't mess around here. If you're doing 30 over, if you're doing 130 kilometers per hour um, in a school zone, something like that, it would be, yeah, it, it could be bad news uh, for you, and that's and you know that's absolutely that that's nothing. Like that's that's nothing in a nine nine six, let alone you know something, um, you know like that. So it, it's um it, it is a bit of a problem because the relevance of the speed gets knocked out. Like the relevance of the speed has been 
off probably for the last 10 years. I mean, even F80M3s were way too fast for their own good. Like there's, there's been a lot of cars that are just point and click. And as soon as you put your foot down, you're stopping again because you're doing mental speeds. Well, on, on that topic, and this has been brought up a number of times on this podcast and on other pod, my other podcast channel, Classic Pratt, yes. where we just talk about classic cars, not just yes. Porsche, right, um, is what's really changed things, and it's changed me attitudinally to motor cars in what I look for in a motor car now, is yep. the electric cars, okay? I, I reviewed a Taycan Turbo on my channel not long ago. Yeah, mm. the guys from Porsche Centre Perth here gave me the keys for a day. So the... Um, I've been fortunate enough to experience the perfection that that car is, if you yes. want to use that term, okay? The flaws in that car outside of its range anxiety, which yep. isn't really justified, right, but it's range anxiety that comes with electric cars for whatever reason you have that in your head, This it does everything so good and so efficiently, even though oh, I didn't drive the – Taycan Turbo S, I drove the Taycan Turbo. Yeah. Why you would want a more powerful version of this car yeah, is beyond yeah, yeah. Right? But that yeah. even that part of it aside, once you go sub four seconds, zero to 100 in any car, I don't care what it is, right? Yeah. You're in a stratosphere that I'm, I question the ability of most drivers to actually, one, appreciate on public roads and, two, we actually have – Reaction times fast enough to change their no, mind. You're, you know, there, there's no way, and especially when you're driving a Taycan or an RS Q8 or something that has a touchscreen interface, because you will certainly die trying to change the air conditioning. So, yeah, and yeah, like, or you just glance for a second, and you've covered <laughs> 150 meters. You know what I mean? Then this is the thing. It, it, it is. It, it lacks a certain relevance. The new I was watching yesterday. The new Tesla Model S, and I am not a Tesla fanboy. Oh, the plaid, the plaid car or whatever it's plaid. called? Yeah. 100 to 200 kilometres an hour in less than five seconds. So it does the first 100 in about 2.3 because that 1.99 involves a rollout or something. Sure, whatever, so, yeah. You, yeah, whatever. You're, you're just over two seconds, you've hit 100, and then four seconds later you've hit two, which is like when you compare it to turbo and everything, it is blistering. I mean, that's a nine-second factory car. Nine-second cars where we come from. Involve uh, big fat tyres and parachutes, don't they? And yes, and rotaries that go what 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 what. And then so, pop because they only do it once. And, the, and they've got two wheels off the ground. And that if they did a good run, they'd get a nine-second. But this is, I mean, what are we, what are we, what's the end game? Where are we going? And more to the point, is there any reason that anyone needs anything more than a 981 Cayman? Your thoughts, please, Mark. Back seats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. But as a driving experience. What a car. Amazing. Right. What a car. I, like I did a review on a 981 Spider. PDK. Oh, what a car. What a cracker, mate. Oh, <laughs> like I said, what a car. You don't drive that car without smiling. But I will say this, whilst it's not Turbo S slash no. Taycan performance, 
it is well and truly it's in trouble. That's, that's, the bigger yeah, one. I mean, that's an S, that's a 3.4. So that is the bigger one. But even and, and because it's the spider, it's actually another 20 horsepower than the S. Yeah, nice. Right. So, but that but even that aside, yeah. The actual um driving dynamic of the car mm. is amazing, right? Yeah. Oh, what a car. It's beautiful. I just think so they're too dear. You know they are a little. They are but, a little. And when I say too dear, it's too dear to me. Okay, that's that's what I mean when I say too dear. But if you want a magnificent sports car that's going to be good to you this year and next, that is going to give you a load of Porsche DNA that you can take to shows and you can modify and you can still take your wife to the shops without her complaining that she's uncomfortable or that it's too noisy or that it's air-cooled and the aircon doesn't work, all different things. Buy a 981 Cayman or Boxster with a PDK and live a very, very happy life because they are simply magnificent cars. They sound amazing. They go through the gears wonderfully. They steer beautifully. They're not especially expensive to keep. They're really well put together. I mean, those are just such a sweet spot. Well, I, I looked I looked at after doing this review, I'm thinking, oh, God, I've got to have one of these. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just amazing. And pretty quickly came to the conclusion, besides the bubble bit at the back of a spider, yep. which looks amazing, like they're beautiful, so beautiful. beautiful. stunning, so right? Beautiful. Yeah. But it's a 50 grand premium to have it. Yeah, too, oh, yeah. Right? So you could pretty easily buy a high 30s, low $40,000 981 Boxster S, right, manual. Yes. Drop another 10 grand into the mods to make it every bit as exciting to drive as the spider yes you know and have a pretty good car and kept it in the garage for 15 years and you know in 15 years time it'll still be a good car yeah are you saying that the 981 spider is two hundred thousand dollars no there how much are you saying it is 100 for a 981 spider is 100 grand yeah i think so yeah not a 718 spider i'm talking about 981 no, 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 981. I know a 987 spider is 100 grand. I'd like to. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Sorry. I am talking 987, not 981. Yes, you're right. 100%. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's good because either way, a 987 is also awesome. So, in fact, while we're on the subject, a 986, if you get a tidy 986 and it isn't, it hasn't, it isn't like a red and black color scheme or something horrific. <laughs> If it They've got some shockers, car, haven't they? They do. If it is a car with books and not books because someone's dad was good on the tour, it has to be maintained. Deferred maintenance is not maintenance. Oil changes is not servicing. That's just oil changes. So just be aware that a Porsche, it needs Porsche looking after. It just does. It needs it needs Porsche levels. They're, they're very precisely engineered vehicles, even the very cheap ones. So you can't buy a $25,000 Porsche and expect to run it like a $25,000 car. It is not. You can you can run it. What do you mean it's going to cost me more to service my Corolla? <laughs> <laughs> you can run it cost effectively, but you can't run it for nothing. It, you know, you have to spend some money. I somewhere. agree, 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. But... Wonderful cars, just absolutely fantastic cars all the way up and down the line. We're talking about fantastic cars and um, just really enjoyable. And if you have any inkling 
to get into one of these cars, um, if you wait and wait and wait and wait, they won't be around for you to get into. Like, I'm it's proof just not of that. Hard. Yes. Because I, I in the honestly, the last six months, I've watched 911s get away from me. Mm. Water-cooled 911s, 996, 997, yeah. you know. I know that you've had yours long enough to understand that you can get the right car at the right price at the right time. Yeah. Those days, they're gone at that entry uh-huh. level price point, you know. And when I say that, I'm talking about asking prices. I'm not talking about selling yeah. prices. Yeah. Okay. These are two very different things. And I would say that these numbers getting further apart as the market is spiked yeah. during this at the end of COVID, it feels like. It's like mm. someone sees another 997 manual go up for sale. Well, I'll put mine up for 10 grand more if they're asking that much. Yeah. And then two days later, I'm going to put mine up for another 10 grand more. Then yeah. the guy from two days ago says, well, if he's asking that, I'm asking more than that. Mine's nicer yeah. than his. Mine's nicer than his. Or how, you know, oh, that's silver. Well, they're all bloody silver. Yeah. yeah. But, the, um, you know, oh, it's just, it has just gotten too far away from, for me myself, you know. I look, whilst I was looking at 997s 12 months ago, I was thinking, 65, 70, oh, you know. You are 100. You're over 100 now. And, you know, I'm, give me Mickey Mouse ears. Check it out. Yeah, that is, that's an, <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, they're overpriced. When I bought that, and, I, and I've said this before, I've told the story before, but for 997s, when I bought my KN GTS, I was supposed to buy a Cayman that day. But, yes, you are right. They don't have back seats. And I balked. I still have a family. And I'm like, I don't know. I want to be able to take him around. But originally, I sold my, I had a CLS shooting brake, like a two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The hearse. Yeah. The hearse. Beautiful car. Really yeah. well, full featured, beautiful car. Drove magnificently. And the person I sold it to had a couple. He had a 944 and he had a 997 Carrera S. Um, Atlas Gray, extended leather, uh, lobster claws. Beautiful car. It was a tip, but um, I was against driving manuals at the time because I had a really busted ankle from basketball. So I'm like, I want a tip. And we agreed, and he agreed to sell it to me. And then I went back to buy it and pick it up, and he got cold feet. We agreed, um, and he won't mind me saying this, we agreed on that car, I think it's $68,000, and it was a Carrera S in August 2019. No. Yeah, August 2019. That car now, so, and this is, I mean, this was a very, very shiny, this was a beautiful car, like first to see, we'll buy type sure. example. Yeah, yeah. Um, very well optioned, like, and it would have been, it would have made it a magnificent daily or a great weekend car. But, I mean, I can't see how that car wouldn't be $110,000, $120,000, you know, and it's just like, it's, I don't think it's worth $120,000. Like, I think it's worth, like you said, sixty-five dollars to $70,000, which is what I wanted to buy it at and um, what eventually I think it sold at even closer to now. And then in the last 12 months, it's just to the yeah, moon. I, I, look, I know as driving experience, look, we spoke earlier about, you know, what your business does and yeah. it's the concept of value. But when you're a, like, Plenty of listeners on this podcast now would be as tragic as I am. I look at car sales most days. I look at Dubizzle in, you know, in the, in the Emirates. I look at 
trade me and, you know, and I look at, you know, Auto Tempest. I like seeing what prices are, what cars are around, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the best place in the world? What, where's the best place? What's the, where's the best value cars? What's Because it used to be Perth. Perth was the best, especially when you guys had the mining boom and all those miners spent hundred grand doing up an Audi RS4 and then tried to sell nah, it. They, 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 they all, yeah, but the problem now, like that was back in 2012, right? You're talking a while ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God, you guys had some awesome machinery. Now it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, you know, you, you will not find a FIFO, you know, people that work yes. in mines, that doesn't have a $70,000 highlight with $100,000 more of options on them these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, the, or a 79 series Land Cruiser U. Yes. Okay, so that's why. Yeah, it's just it's changed. But the um, but yeah, like I said, I was, if you're an enthusiast, you're following this market, and if you're you're actually ready to spend money in this market right now, I don't know. You know, the value thing, the value proposition. You said it's not a hundred thousand dollar car to you, right? No. No. Is the market going to come back though? Historically, it doesn't. No, it's a game of chicken. <laughs> you're right. It is. But when COVID started, I had a lot of people that were sitting on their wallets going, it's going to be a bloodbath. Everyone's going to get rid of their discretionary. All the boats are going to be so I'm going to wait around and I'm going to scoop up these jet skis like there's no tomorrow. And it wasn't. Yeah, it never happened. And there'd be a two-year wait on jet skis and the consumer products would go off. If someone comes to me literally and wants to buy a new Hyundai, I'm like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to join the queue. You, if you want a, a RAV, if I had a hybrid RAV4 or knew of one, I'd be so well off. It's just, this is the reality of 2021. Like maybe Perth, maybe Perth does have good value because I live quite near Fremantle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I go into Fremantle minimum once a week. Yep. All the cars get unloaded onto the wharf, see, then they get picked up by the various. In the last month, if I said 1,000 to 1,500. Land Cruisers, 79 Series Utes, 200 Series Wagons and RAV4 Hybrids were unloaded off those cars. <laughs> I'll go, hey, there is that many RAV4s. I've never seen so many. Yeah, yeah. Well, the demand is through the roads. Uh, oh, and Prado's, the new Prado. You know, that's – my yeah. sister-in-law bought one recently. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, which makes the old Land Cruiser little. It's the biggest car I've ever seen, this Prado. Yeah. Well, uh, coming from someone that – there's no chance my wife is going to watch this. So I have a deposit on an LC300. Um, yeah, okay. I, I got the GR, you know, um, GR um, LC300. The dealer tells me they're not bringing the V6 twin turbo to Australia. I very much, the petrol, which is what I favoured. I wanted a, you know, crystal white with the twin turbo. And nice. what this has to do with Porsches, who knows? But anyway, the reason that I'm doing that is because my previous Land Cruiser customers in the last 12 months have bought their cruisers and either held onto them or sold them for massive profits. Profits, yeah, sure. I, I figure what's to lose? If I, if I drive around for 12 months in a brand-new LC300, um, it's not like when I had a deposit on a Supra and quickly worked out that that was not a good position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is in I, in saying that I I think the supers are great and they're actually undervalued. I think that that's a for that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of BMW for the money. That's a fast car. It's a good looking car. If you bought one and it started with a seven, you bought a GTS. 
but I, I'm glad I didn't buy one brand new for 102. That's that. Yeah, look, as, as cars, as $100,000 motor cars, I, I drove one in the very early days. I actually drove one in New Zealand when that one of the first cars that got in New Zealand when I was over there. The, um, I could not come to terms with the fact this was a $100,000 motor car. Yeah, okay. You know, with regards to fit and finish, um, <laughs> dynamic, yeah, I would put this way. I would wouldn't hesitate to put more value in a Carrera S manual nine nine seven. Drop a, back then, oh, drop a hundred into one of those over a new Supra. So what was it? Because it, I mean, was it just because it feels previous generation BMW? Is that what it was? Is the fact that it feels like an old three forty i sort well, of? Firstly, the um. The uh, entertainment system yeah, tech, tech mm. it was outdated from new, right? Yeah, now, yeah. if I'm going to have outdated um, infotainment, mm. I may as well get a good car. Yeah, understood. Okay, if that's the first yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. fair the, enough. The second thing was it's tight inside. You see yeah, your 190? Yeah. Mate, you're headbanging. Claustrophobic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, look, I'm 157 centimetres tall. Okay. <laughs> You know, you've got a leg the size of me, right? Yeah, so the um, I got in it and I felt, you know, yeah. I just, I just struggled to see the value in the product. I, mm. In all reality, they probably Toyota would have probably done better to actually use the GR logos on the car instead of the Toyota. Like you don't spend a hundred grand on a car, a sports car to see a big T staring at in the middle of the steering wheel that's bigger than mm-hmm. you know, that's that could be some brand snobbery, but the reality of the situation I is I'm, I don't I question the value. And like if I whereas if I get in a 997, like a good one, this, we're talking 18 months ago now here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years ago, I could have got a good 997 manual, well maintained, even in a nice colour, you know, a non-silver car, right? That um for a hundred grand, and it would have been oh, a you would have, got, you would have had your pick, yeah. Yeah, you it would have been a C4S. It would have been. You could have got one with those carbon buckets, probably. And and, and as a result, that car there for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a lot better use of the yeah. And that's how it felt as soon as I drove it. Don't you know, it was a good driving car. Look, was it fast? It was very quick, right? But put this way, it's. It's, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it is probably 997 quick. At least, yeah. Okay. I think it's pretty close to being a four-second. Like it's a, it's a mid-fours, sort of low-fours. It probably is, right? Yeah. yeah. The, I think overall just the fit and finish of the car, did, it felt like a $60,000 motor car. Yeah, I understand. I think you paid it. I think they used the Supra name as a premium. Yeah, pricing yeah. probably to return some profitability, and that's up to them. That's you know, that's their company. Popular though, that's the thing, they were just sitting around. I don't Jeez, know, how ugly. yeah, it's you know, my two cents. I think I don't think it's a pretty looking car. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think the new Nissan thing is um, pretty? The new little sports car, you haven't seen enough of it to know which one, the new Z400 or whatever it is. The new uh, look, it looks purposeful, right. Yeah. Would be a good way for me to describe that car. I don't know what the Supra looked like. You know, when I look at a Supra, when I see one on the road, firstly, I just hardly ever see them. I don't know who bought them. Right? 
And when I do see him, I think, oof, you know, the styling of the car, I think that probably went too far on it. Yeah, I see. And, like, you got to think, who is the who is the customer for oh, that yeah, car? That, the target, they messed that up completely because the Toyota diehards, the people that um, are, are you know, likely to go in and spend a quarter million bucks at Toyota with cash, buying a Sahara and everything, they're not buying one because it's two BMW for them and that's not... And it's not like, BMW enough for the BMW person. That, that's that's exactly right. So it, it was sort of in the middle of nowhere and... And that's uh, ultimately where it kind of fell flat. And, I mean, thank God that I was uh, able to pick up when I had the order because I entered the lottery. Oh, congratulations, you can buy one. I'm like, well, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to drive this car for free. It's going to be awesome. I'll sell it for 15 grand premium. Yep. And the young lady that was handling the the concierge that was handling the uh, the dealings, I said, oh, I want a GTS, um, and they said, oh, you can't get the halo colour, which is the matte grey special yeah. Norberg, yeah. but you can get any other colour. And I went, is that right? And then she said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, you get these choice of colours and then the cars that are going to dealers will be in this. And I went, cars going to dealers? I'm like, all of a sudden this we sold out in 32 seconds has gone from that to, oh, there's cars at dealers and you can have any colour you want and really it's not a big fuss and if you want to call me back in a week. You're backpedalling like this, aren't you? And I just, and yeah, well, straight up, like, if it wasn't for the, like, if I had someone else on the phone that had probably been less, made, like, she was trying to be helpful. She didn't realise that I was reading into it, but, I mean, that was enough for me. I just went, oh, dokie, I will, um, you know what, I'm probably going to use the money somewhere else. And they, yeah, well, I mean, fine about it. They completely, I got the sure, deposit sure. back and everything and it was all good. But, I mean, I'm glad I didn't. didn't. And then similarly, um, you know, there's they're going to have a lot more, uh, you know, releases that will be limited and, and all the brands, um, you know, there's an opportunity to buy cars that are, in demand and 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 drive them for free if you know the right people and if you can you know get away with it i would love to be on the list for g wagons when they when they get released and i can i can uh you know um just carry to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for for a few months and just float the cash so yeah yeah look the um uh, i'm on the um press list for the new series amg gt that's about to drop yeah great so that car is due in about another two months here in australia okay you know they're going to drop it here in australia at the same time as a global release of that car which is quite nice right and um do you like like the current cars have you have you had seat time in the current car i've yeah i've driven two of them i haven't driven a gtr or gdr pro i've only driven gdss Right. Yeah, too. It's a very appealing car to me. Uh, yes, underrated. I think. I, I love. I look. I love the look of them. Yeah. I think the back of them is very nine nine seven. Right. Yeah. You know. But yes. that aside, I do. I do like the cars. You know, if I was to um, if I was to spend two hundred thousand dollars plus on a sports car because that was a lifestyle I lived, yeah. and I wasn't buying a. 991 GT3, it would be an AMG GT product. Yeah. I think 
I don't know. I haven't looked at the prices lately, but back when you could get a GDS for about $145,000. That's a lot of car. That was exactly. That was, I, I thought that was an immeasurably good deal at that point um, because they are, they sound great. They drive great. You know, they have incredibly well balanced. Yeah. Oh, they, just they don't yeah. look like they should be, but they are great balanced cars. Oh, no, really, like they're very capable sports cars, and they are um, highly enjoyable. Like it, I've driven back to back. It was you know one of those Mercedes days, and drove everything. And I was with a friend. I, I brought a guest, and we both had the same opinion. Just like wow, that is that is a standout as a really. Um, you know, something that uh, is it's underrated for sure. That I don't think there's been an AMG product that's taken as big a depreciation hit as those things, though. No. They have taken a belting. You know, you look at what a new one costs. Like, I, like for me, if I was actually in the market to buy one, I'd, I'd get a Roadster, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, oh, my God. They're Stunning-looking car. Gorgeous. Just so gorgeous. So purposeful. The, the, it's the way that people buy Mercedes, though, Mark. People uh, buy Mercedes on a car payment. Like nobody, people will buy 911s. People will go to Porsche and they will invest their money and think, I'm going to own this car for 10 years. With Mercedes, people use the Mercedes Agility program. That's how they purchase new Mercedes. That is, okay. that is how you do it. You know, you have a balloon, you buy it, you say this car's going to cost me 2500 a month and that's how, that's you, the Mercedes. And you get out of it for nothing out more than what you put into it type thing, is that you, what you're saying? You, you make your monthlies and then if it's three years, you give it back. If it's five years, you give it back. Ah, and then, okay. You know, and that's that's the difference between, a, you know, a, a, a Porsche didn't even have, up until very recently, they didn't even have like a guaranteed buyback or a balloon or anything like. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and and Mercedes has had it for a very long time, and it's just completely different buyer profile and a different market. Oh, you're, that, talk, you're talking about different volumes of cars too. This, yeah, a ton absolutely. more AMGs out there than there is uh, yeah. Porsche products. Absolutely, and that's and that's why the Mercedes will do a favorable residual for you because they know that that will help then. Um, you know, in three years when you come back early and they go, oh, we'll eat that and put you into this. The next one. Sure. And sure. yeah, basically, and that's just basically, and then you'll have customers, a customer for life approach that they have. Um, and they don't, by doing that as well, they're very strict with their extended warranties and everything because they don't want, you know, and even as far as like the fact, like if you have an S-Class and the engine blows up two months out of your warranty term, you won't, it's unlikely you'll get goodwill. Really? Yeah, it's it's part of a greater, everybody has a, like a corporate, like a belief. They want to encourage you to just keep getting back in that cycle. You want to run it to warranty, which was previously three is now five, but, you know, and they want you to get to that point and then walk right in, hand them the car back and go again. And that's, that's sort of how you things. Swap, swap the keys over. Just give me the new that's one. That's basically it. They 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 move heaven and earth to try and make that a reality okay. for you. Yeah, sure. And if and for people that are supportive of the brand, have multiple cars with them and everything, they have something for everything. They have such an extensive range. Um, so yeah, you know. Like so look, AMG owners. No offense if there are any out there listening to me, right? 
they are like a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very few people only ever own one AMG. Yeah, yeah. Life. No, no, it, 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 it's a thing. Um, I just personally... It's probably very similar to 911 owners, let's face it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but personally, I like AMG sports cars and big-motored stuff and everything, but like A45s, um, any of the six, like the 43s, like there's a lot. that They started using that badge on everything a liberally a little bit too liberally like yeah, sure. i'm that's well that's a common complaint you hear from people yeah. about amg in general yeah yes anyway hey, well, look it's we've been we've been crapping on for a long time here as much as i'm enjoying yeah, it i'm I sure people are getting know. bored <laughs> someone someone somebody owns a zoom premium what is the what does the clock say mark how long has this been? I, I don't how long we've been going for yeah, a little, but yeah. It doesn't like, actually tell me anywhere I can see on the screen here. <laughs> but I can see we've been going a while. Anyway, I really appreciate you coming on the uh, Thanks for having podcast. Me. It's been a delight. I think we should continue this conversation, maybe even put an up, do another episode because we're uh, clearly got a common interest. And yes, let's, uh, we'll find out if anyone else is interested and then we'll see whether or not we're going to do this any further. We can, maybe we can uh, broach some subjects. We'd have some people come in and we can discuss their favorite intricacies in the market as it were, you know, yeah, it might be a good idea. But yeah. it's, uh, we'll get some more people involved, more communal. There Sounds we go. Like a great idea. Anyway, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Everyone, if you're, uh, if you've gotten, if you've lasted this long in this podcast, firstly, well done. Secondly, if you're watching this on YouTube, please think about subscribing to my channel. I could really do with the support. Channels pause a bit because I haven't put much automotive content on or video content on outside of my podcast lately because of the weather here. But there's a plenty more coming. I've got some great stuff up my sleeve. Thanks very much for listening to Porsche Talk. Mm-hmm.